Hey, sports fans, welcome to another edition of the WTOP Huddle. Dave Johnson is on vacation, so Rob Woodfork standing in in the uh, captain's chair, as it were. And uh, next man up, whenever it's a sports analogy, uh, so Ben Raby is in the house. And uh, you got to have Ben around when you're talking about tennis and hockey and uh, those sports that he's uh, the master Ooh. at, so it were. Uh, we have uh, Dave Preston, as usual, alongside George Wallace, Chris Chion. So uh, let's start with you, Ben. Uh, we had the big victory for uh, a couple of local guys. Uh, how far can, uh, can these guys go, do you think? Yeah, Francis Tiafo, the story, I'll tell you, fellas, not just locally, but internationally. That was the biggest story on day one of Wimbledon, Francis Tiafo. Hyattsville native and JTCC alum and certainly a guy who wears his pride on his sleeve when it comes to the DMV uh, upsetting world number four Stefano Tsitsipas in straight sets he did not just get by he really dictated play for large stretches of that match did Tiafo and doing so on the big stage court number one the second largest court on Wimbledon a big big stage international wise so good on Francis Tiafo and to your point an opportunity now. You knock off the number three seed in the tournament. That was the big seed in his sort of quarter of the draw, if you will. So not to look too far ahead, but maybe an opportunity here to at least play into the second week. That's the expression in tennis. You want to play into the second week of a Grand Slam tournament. That's really the round of 16, the quarterfinals. It would match one of the deepest runs of his career. And I think at this point, that's a, that's a realistic goal for Francis Tiafo playing with some confidence now, fresh off winning a tournament overseas a couple of weeks ago as well. Absolutely. And Dennis Kudla also in this, the uh, Arlington native, Dave Preston. Uh, uh, what are you seeing from uh, another guy with uh, some local ties? I, I see some possibilities. I don't think he has the same upside as Francis Tiafa, but I'm just happy to be talking about Americans in a tennis major. It's a, they, there's, there's been quite a drought. I think uh, Andy Roddick in 2003, the U.S. Open, he's the most recent American to win uh, a, a men's major. And it, we're getting to the point where guys like Steve Johnson and John Isner are now no longer the up and coming guys that you thought might be the possibilities. Uh, they're now on the other side of their career, so to speak. There was a guy uh, before uh, um, there was a, a Brit uh, by the name of Tim Henman, who for the longest time was Great Britain's best hope to uh, win a, uh, a major and especially at Wimbledon. Uh, before uh, Andy Murray, uh, you know, became the guy who, who ended a drought that was over, I believe, 70 years old. So it's, it's nice to have up and coming guys. I, I'm very curious as to see with the opportunity that Francis Tiafo has in front of him, as Ben mentioned, this wasn't a fluke from the standpoint of he didn't squeak past him in four or five sets. This was a straight set drubbing. And you hope that perhaps he can you know, cultivate this momentum and be really laser focused and get to the second weekend because nothing is less ideal following Wimbledon or any of the majors when there are no Americans entering that second week. You, you don't hope you hope for a champion. You, you, you cross your fingers, but you'd at least like to have at least one of those guys, whether it's uh, Tiafa, whether it's a Kudla, whether it's an Isner or even a, a Steve Johnson still sticking around by week two. We know that the women have been, you know, they, they can play into the second week. Venus Williams, advanced uh, along with there's a few other Americans some are even unseated who usually make their way towards late in the first week it, you just it's it's nice to have Americans playing in the second week and I think that might be a possibility this week as Ben mentioned the big uh, guy in uh, Tiafo's uh, 
quarter of the bracket is gone. And so there's an incredible possibility there. I think Tiafo can get to the quarterfinals. Am I crazy? No, and that, oh, and that think, would be that, no. that that would match his best Grand Slam yeah. appearance. He did that a couple of years ago in the Australian Open and without looking too far back, just within the past few months in the fall at the US Open, he made it to the fourth round. So again, at some point you want to get a little further than that, but let's keep the, the expectations realistic here. If he could again play into the second week, if he could reach the final eight, that would be that would be quite something because to Dave's point even as far as Americans just getting to the quarterfinals of Grand Slams. We just haven't seen a whole lot of that lately over the past number of years. So for Tiafo to potentially have that opportunity, could face another seed as soon as the third round, but to have the opportunity ahead of him, uh, certainly something he could potentially take advantage of. And this American drought that we're right in, there, there, there is an era of whether it's been uh, Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, you know, Andy Murray has been great. Uh, Vavrinka has been fantastic. But there, there, it's the the tennis, especially at the major tournament level, has been so top heavy the last decade plus that it's been very difficult for an American to break in. And with these guys, you know, I, I'm I'm still gonna not believe that Roger Federer is gonna bow out until he actually loses a match. <laughs> You know, at Wimbledon, same with Djokovic, uh, you know, same with any of the other big guns. But I think their time is unbeaten, as we've often mentioned, you know, in, in this forum. And I think perhaps this might be the opportunity that uh, an American has not had in the last decade or so. Because unlike golf, where you can still win a major, even going up against when Tiger Woods was at his peak, he wasn't winning every single major. And, you know, uh, Arnold Palmer. Uh, Jack Nicholas, you know, the Giants, they won consistently, but they didn't win absolutely every major. But in order to win a tennis major, you have to not just have a great tournament, but you have to get through the best at that level or hope for an upset. And uh, perhaps uh, this is an opportunity for Tiafo Kudler, one of the other guys, to break through. I like. I thought it was interesting when uh, Tiafo said, uh, you know, after the match about him kind of refocusing himself and you know, um, uh, I, I guess kind of focusing on different things that he got together with his team and kind of re, re uh, just kind of needing to refocus because he had a couple of early exits. And, you know, at some point, you know, you know you're right. It's, it's at some point you, you got to make it past that spot where you haven't been to take that next step. So, you know, maybe this is this is the time. I mean, he looked focused the other day and Sitsipas coming off that. French Open final. Uh, I don't know if he played a tournament in between that. Ben would probably know better if he played a tournament between that and this. Uh, but, I mean, it was evident right from the get-go that he was, uh, uh, you know, Tiafo was ready to play. Yeah, Tsitsipas hadn't played since the French Open, whereas yeah. Tiafo had won a smaller tier tournament, but had won a tournament overseas on grass a couple of weeks ago. So, to Tiafo's credit, he, he took advantage of that freshness. And you know what, fellas? If, if, if you saw the match and you saw his post-game interview on Wimbledon, he's a showman, Tiafo, And he oh, acknowledged, yeah. too. He said, if this match was on some backcourt, secondary court, I don't know yeah. if I would have brought my A game the way I did today. Yeah. And I think that, that that's fun. He's he's an easy guy to, to kind of get behind, to, to root for, especially given the local ties in these parts. But he, he, he likes it. He embraces it. And, you know, here's hoping he, he won a few fans over overseas as well in England. And when he said at the end, he said, you know, this guy's going to win a bunch of majors. Then he paused. He goes, not today. That was great. <laughs> and speaking of that swagger, I don't want to overlook the women's draw. I mean, do we all think Serena's going to do it on, on the women's draw? 
I'll tell you what, it's okay. been a while, Rob, since she won a Grand Slam. No, I feel like we've been saying this for a number of years. She has to get, talking about getting over that hump. She's been going after two dozen 24 for quite a few years here. Hasn't right. been able to do it. Seemed like a foregone conclusion years ago. So we'll see if she's up to it here at Wimbledon. I also like to, to keep an eye, you know, keeping it to the, the American theme. Uh, the other end of the spectrum from the veteran in Serena, the young gun in still only 17 years old, Coco Goff. She had her coming out party at Wimbledon a couple of years ago. Uh, very fun, easy watch. And uh, someone who also could, could make a deep run uh, at Wimbledon. All right, let's, uh, let's transition to the Nationals, shall we? And I want to give Chris Chian his props because he's been saying all season long, the rest of the division stinks. Don't worry about it. The Nats are going to make their move. And sure enough, Monday night's 8-4 win over the Mets now has them within three games of first place in the division. Chi, does this look like a first place team to you? They have been on a roll of late. Uh, obviously, Schwarber is, is hammering the, the heck out of the ball at, a, at an alarming, I mean, really a historic rate. I mean, he just set the franchise record for most home runs in a month. So, uh, it, and now he's what third in the, in, in, uh, in the majors with home runs now. So, um, you know, the nationals are, are a hot team and it's co coincided with Schwarber's hot streak. Does this look like a first place team to you? Everything we will find out in the next two days as they take on the defending American league champion, Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. They, you know, took care of a Marlins team a couple of times, but they also lost Friday night 11 to two. And John Lester was awful in that game. And he is one of the starters in this two game set. So's Joe Ross, who will come out one game and pitch lights out and the next game get lit up as well. So they're taking on Rich Hill in game one of this two games set before the Dodgers come into town. I think these two series are everything we are going to be able to tell. We know how good Max Scherzer is. We're still waiting on Steven Strasburg to come back here. Patrick Corbin has gone in a better form. He's still not ace-like. We know that the pitching or the hitting has gotten better. There were a lot of games. There were zero runs, one run. Gerardo Parra, guys like that stepping up who have just been a lift, I think, more than just – offensively but emotionally in the dugout and these sort of things matter when it's 95 degrees out and it's hot and guys are aching because you know what they played a lot of baseball since you know last year and um, you know when the season started late and then jumping right into this year their bodies might not be totally prepared for 162 game season so I just think emotional lifts like that help and when you have guys stepping up from different positions Starlin Castro having himself some nice nights after he struggled to start this season so different guys are stepping up and but everything depends on these next two series and we'll see how really good they are yeah and I'm still waiting for Juan Soto to have that big breakout and I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to be my little prediction right here I think that he's going to have a nice little torrid streak out of the all-star break um uh, what, do you, what do you think of there Preston I, I, he's got to get hot at some point in time. I mean, he's, his numbers in his career, he's still young enough and he still has played so few games that, uh, you know, every so often a guy does have a peak year very early in an extended career. I, I go to my Red Sox roots, Mike Greenwell, his second full season, uh, he had 22 homers, 119 RBI, didn't come close to those numbers again. Uh, throughout the rest of his career. I think Juan Soto is a different type of player. I think he's a better player. I think he's going to eventually get, if not his career average numbers, but have a, a, a prototypical number of a slugger of his ability. 
Uh, the guy that I'm looking at in the outfield to make a, you know, a, a jump or a leap or something, Victor Robles has just eight RBI at this point of the season, has yet to hit a home run, and he's also making base running blunders that caught, we talk about what a great glove and what great wheels he has in that outfield. And while that is true, much like Jackie Bradley Jr. of the Red Sox who had this fantastic glove, but you felt that the runs that he took off the board defensively, he took off the board with his bat. Victor Robles this year is taking runs off the board with his bat and with his base running. And that can't happen. We have to recognize, though, that he is still very young. He hasn't played a ton of games, but he that has got to click at some point in time for Victor Robles. And I I, I think we're, we're I'm not as concerned as much with Juan Soto having a decent year. I think at, at the worst, he's going to hit 20 homers and maybe drive an 85, and that's going to be a subpar Juan Soto year, and we'll figure out what he needs to do to get better. But the gap between what Victor Robles, where, where he's headed, and where I would like for him to be is much wider, and the Nats need a Victor Robles much closer to the 17-homer, 28-steal guy from uh, two years ago than the guy who's batting eighth and sometimes ninth behind the pitchers right now. Yeah, and to that point, uh, Dave Martinez on Sunday was uh, sort of insinuating that, you know, we're working with him, we're talking to him, we're trying to get him on the right path, and he insinuated that, you know, he may have to pull him out of the lineup if he doesn't start to uh, get it together. Um, and, he, and he has the past couple of games since Sunday, yeah, going yeah. with Gerardo Parra in the starting lineup, and Gerardo Parra with the Nationals now on this homestand, the difference, it's a small sample size, but the difference in his splits home and away. I don't know what's going on with Gerardo Parra, the baby shark, and if you buy into that. But what he's able to do at home, this goes back, of course, to 2019, compared to his productivity or sometimes lack thereof on the road. It's, uh, it's quite something, but at least I'm not sure that that's a long-term solution in the outfield. You got to get Victor Robles back. You got to get that productivity from him, but at least in the short term, if Parra can chip in and, and contribute as he did in the win over the Mets, something you could hold on to for at least a, a small sample size. George, they think, always have to come yeah. in with the baby shark, man. They always have to hit me with this baby shark stuff, man. Hey, listen, you got to do it. You give the people what they want. I mean, he doubled, homered last night, and then made catch the end of the game in the outfield. I mean, I know Robles also got hit. Didn't he get hit on the knee the other day? Yeah, he did. That's what it was Sunday, so he's still yeah. a little banging. But no, you. I mean – if you're going to get rolling here at this point, then you're going to need everybody. And to your point about the, the base running situation and errors like that, you you have to have everybody here. You can't be, uh, you know, there's going to be a point where there's no room for error at some point. And you're going to have to have everybody on the same page. You cannot make stupid outs. you got to be in the game mentally. And if not, you're going to find somebody that, that can do it, that wants to do it. I mean – if they're going to get contributions like this from par and like to Ben's point, not a long-term solution, but guys know their roles. Look at Zim last night, comes off the bench, hits mm -hmm. the ball, big crushes the ball. I mean, homers. I mean, that's just, his, that's, that's what he's doing right now. And you know, you're getting contributions like that. I mean, it's everybody else is starting to hit and Soto's still hitting double. So you're yeah. right. Like at that, at some point he's going to get on that tear uh, and, you know, get everybody clicking here. But I mean, I, I like what they've seen. I mean, it's, you know, We've said all year that once this lineup kind of gets going and starts hitting and scoring early, then you're going to see the run productivity. Now you just need, you know, you, you can't have Suero and Miller and guys like that in the, in the bullpen giving up five run leads like they did last night. You can't have Brad Hand come in for five, six out saves either. So, you know, at, at some point you're going to have to get it all together, but 
they've put themselves in position right now. The division is not that great. If you put yourselves in striking position and a big test coming up, you, know, you survived the Giants test a couple weeks ago. Now you got the Rays and the Dodgers coming up here. Going to be a couple good tests uh, before the All-Star break. And before I go any further, I just, I got to compliment She's tan. I mean, she, <laughs> you're tan, bro. Like right beginning of summer, it's like I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, it's, it's season four. Stuff, <laughs> I just got off the lawnmower for two hours, so nice. I, I am sunscreening up, of course. But yeah, got this is where it's at, you guys. I mean, you guys want to get some property? Come out to Carroll County, Howard <laughs> County. You can still afford a couple acres out here. Oh man, well, I, I got you cutting my grass then, because having been a homeowner in the past, that was something that got old really quickly. The first couple of cuts. You know, it's just great to have a lawn that you can cut. And yeah. after that, I'm like, this chore sucks. <laughs> then it turns into a competition with the neighbors because you can't have the long lawn and they have the nice fresh cut one. It, it, it's a competition that I didn't ask for. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so George understands that. Uh, George has a sports cast to do here in a few minutes. So uh, let's uh, go around the horn here, if I can say that. Um, George, Thank what are you me. thinking about? What am I thinking about? Yeah, I mean, just sports related. I don't want to delve into the tangled web that is your mind. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm I'm focused on baseball right now. I am until training camp gets going. You know, I'm just focused on baseball and see what this team can do. I mean, you know, it's like I said, they, they put themselves in a spot now to to have a to have an interesting summer and to have. You know, the decisions they're going to have to make heading towards the All-Star break. To Chief's point, these next couple of weeks before the break and right after the break, going to go a long way in deciding which way Mike Rizzo is going to go, uh, you know, at the end of this month. But if this is a veteran team, and I think they're going to be – I just have a feeling that they're going to be right in the conversation, you know, and, until the end if, if they get Kike and the contributions that they are. And to, and also, you know, like Dave mentioned in the beginning, like, you know, Strasburg's not back yet. Let's let's get how about let's give a little let's give it up a little bit from Paul Espino. Where did this guy? I mean, <laughs> he's been a know? lifesaver. His start yeah. come against teams that they really needed to get a win, and he played yeah. absolutely lights out for a guy who's what a thirty-four-year-old rookie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first save, first win. I mean, scoreless in the fifth and sixth innings. So that's gonna be that's my guy of the week. I know Schwarber's hitting, but let's give it up for Paulo Espino. No, especially at a time when the pitching rotation is uh, is kind of fluid. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great <laughs> way to put it, fluid. Uh, I was going to say like piecemeal, but yeah, fluid yeah. may be a better word there. Um, all right, Chion, Good night, everybody. All right, man. Uh, George Wallace signing off there, but let's get to Chris Chion because I know he's going to insert a little hockey here, and you got to do that while we have Ben Raby in the house. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning Careful to now. me <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, Ben, if you agree with this, and I know you're a cross-sport guy, we all work at WTOP, we cover all of them. The Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, remind me as a kid of the 96 Bulls. Um, just the dominance over the rest of the league. The Islanders took them to Game 7, and I think the Islanders are the best team that they were going to see in the postseason. The Montreal Canadiens in Game 1 did not look like they belonged in the same building as them. Um, where Montreal was able to limit a lot of Vegas's offensive opportunities. Tampa still got right in front of the net, created traffic in front of Carey Price. And I liked Tampa swagger at the very end of the game. 
you take it to our guys and start cross-checking Kucherov, we're going to run up the score on you. And that's what they did late, winning 5-1, to one, having five forwards on the power mm-hmm. play. So I don't know if, I, if Montreal at this point wins a game in this series. May, I'll give them one maybe back in Montreal if they allow more fans up there too. Make that more of a raucous building. But uh, to me, Tampa's just far and away the better team here and wins this series easily. Yeah, one of the NHL's best over several years. And I will say real quick, if Tampa Bay is to win the Stanley Cup, good on them to be able to reap the benefits of doing so with fans in the building. They were cup champions last year in the bubble in Edmonton. They said all the right things. You play your whole life to win the Stanley Cup. But come on, there's a different feeling, I would imagine, when you're able to do so in the appropriate environment with the fans, with the energy to be able to share it with them. So if Tampa Bay is to be able to triumph, I think it would be pretty neat for them to do so on home ice and to be able to share that with their fans who watched from afar when they did it last year from the bubble. Very good. Uh, How about you, Dave Preston? Uh, What did you want to cap off with? Well, Daryl Morcel uh, departs uh, Maryland, transfers to Marquette, uh, had a chance to watch him play uh, for the Terps uh, for four years. Fantastic guy, a great uh, player. And one of those program players that every program that's successful they need not necessarily a first team guy uh in the big 10 he was defensive player of the year scored over a thousand points he's off to marquette he's able to use that fifth year of eligibility that they've allowed due to the pandemic uh so he's able to take advantage of that although if it were a normal year he would be playing overseas right now but uh major props to him on on a guy who's who stayed local He's from Maryland, stayed at, uh, played at Maryland, helped lead him to, uh, you know, three NCAA tournaments, and uh, you wish him the best of the future. It's going to be fun to cover Georgetown this upcoming winter, and uh, he'll come in uh, with the Golden Eagles with Marquette. Okay. Um, uh, ben, did you have a parting shot, or were you just uh... – wanted, wanted, wanted to put the spotlight again on baseball. George touched on it. It's baseball time right now. Vladimir Guerrero, Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., it's like watching Sosa McGuire in 98. Every day you're checking the highlights, the box score, who passed who, who's up to what now. They're going back and forth for the home run lead with Shohei Otani in the mix as well. Shohei's been terrific this year, his best year by far. And the one I want to put the spotlight on as well, talking home runs, home run derby coming up in a couple of weeks in Colorado ahead of the All-Star game. And Baltimore's Trey Mancini, after missing all of last season, while battling colon cancer, not only has returned to the majors and the Orioles this year, he has showed himself very well. He recently earned and accepted an invite to take part in the home run derby. One of Major League Baseball's big nights for stand up to cancer as well. I'm sure, it's going to be an emotional time for Trey Mancini, but also an easy guy to get behind and to root for in the home run derby. Kudos to Major League Baseball and way to go, Trey Mancini. We'll see you at the home run derby in Denver. Boy, wouldn't that be something if he was able to pull off a victory in the home run derby, uh, given all that he's gone through over the course of the last year? Um, I'm going to wrap up with uh, the Washington football team. Uh, Tanya Snyder has been named the uh, co-CEO of the franchise uh, alongside her husband. And now I first let me say I've applauded Washington for their diverse hiring at some of their top positions. But quite frankly, this ain't it. The United States of America has a long history of disguising moves to entrench the powerful and presenting it as progress. This is a move that, to me, sounds a lot like they're trying to ensure the Snyder family remains in control of the franchise, no matter what the outcome of the Beth Wilkinson investigation into workplace misconduct, uh, whatever that turns up. Uh, So if you really want to make progress, 
sell the team to Oprah Winfrey or a minority not named Dan Snyder or that doesn't have the last name Snyder. There's only one NFL owner right now of color and, uh, and, and he's in Jacksonville. There's never been a black owner in the league's history. So if you really want to be at the forefront of diversity, do something about it. So that's my final take on this. And we're going to go ahead and sign off here. It's been another fun edition of the WT Huddle. George Wallace off to do what he does. <laughs> I'm Rob Whitford alongside Dave, Chris, Gian, Ben Ray. Break the huddle, guys. All right.